So uh, here, here we are, another episode of Grind My Gears, and I have uh, the wonderful Melissa Lastman on with me today. Thank you for joining me and doing this. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, and um, uh, one of the things I just wanted to bring up right away is like a lot of people in politics don't like to do these kind of conversations. So I, I really do appreciate you just taking the time to actually uh, to, to come out and do something like this. It, it does show a lot uh, about, you know, who you are and, and who you represent. So I just want sure, to. Sure. Well, we'll you. see how I feel after all of this. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is a fun podcast. It's not one of those, uh, those ones, but uh, I, the first thing I wanted to say, I just wanted to point out that you have the best hair in politics. I'm just going to put that. I'll out take there. it. I'll, yeah. uh, because I'll take the uh, the contest. Yeah, my, my my wife's a hairstylist, so I can uh, I can uh, I can appreciate it. every time I see you uh, in the house talking. I'm like, you know what? She's standing out just from the hair. I'll take it. Does it take you a while? To and get hopefully, it uh, and hopefully, we'll stand out from uh, from what we're saying. Uh, so I think Canadians need to hear it, and I'm glad you're doing this. Yeah, and uh, and I, and like I said, I appreciate that you are so uh, vocal and you, you you're very in touch with the community, especially in your writing as well. The first thing I wanted to kind of touch on is um, like what got you into politics? Because I know like you were with Stephen Harper doing. Uh, that kind of stuff with him as an advisor role before, and then you kind of went back to the private sector. Like, what drove you, you back into the chaos? You know what? I've always had a foot into uh, in, into the chaos because I think the chaos matters. Uh, I've I caught the political bug super young, uh, and uh, my parents will tell you that I probably wasn't smart enough to be a doctor, so I had to choose uh, something else. And yeah. and uh, this is one of those things that you can you know you can really change your community, you can change the country, you could uh, you could probably change the world if your uh, if your trajectory is right, and uh, you can have uh, you can you can have that voice for uh, for people who I think have been left out of the conversation and who feel pretty voiceless. Yeah, and. Your your journey in politics has been kind of a, a different one compared to some other people where, you know, I mean, let's just call it, I guess, some people are born into politics. It's our little, uh, our little uh, prime minister, uh, well, I can say it, it's my show, that, that douchebag. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can you, certainly you can say whatever you want. But you know what the I people ask me this all the time. So sort of what's you know what's the path to get into politics? Like what do you have to do to to get into what you're doing? And there there really is no clear path. My no, you know no. my path is not like a, a a clean one. I didn't know what I wanted to do since I was five years old. I didn't necessarily you know I wasn't born into this. I didn't go to the to the the right school, but I had super supportive parents, uh, yeah. like typical immigrant family, uh, who was, you know, after they decided that I wasn't going to be a doctor and tried to push me into yeah. all of those things, they were like, you, you got to do what makes you uh, happy. You got to do what you're good at and you've got to do it well and work hard. And, uh, uh, and that's sort of, that's the, that's the family that I come from. And, uh, I think that's the family that, uh, you know, that I'm going to create. Yeah. And, why why cons why conservative politics cuz i mean i know like the the day and age we live in most young people come up they're more on the liberal side of kind of things and then as like the old saying as you get older you get more conservative uh but you seem to be have at a young age associated yourself with the conservative party and those ideologies how did that come about and and you be able to kind of keep those ideologies throughout kind of 
the chaos you, of your life. You know what? It's 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 uh it's because I think it's it's what's right and what makes sense. But I, I come from a mixed marriage, uh, and I say that yeah. my mom was a staunch liberal. Uh, and my dad was always quite conservative and my parents came from a communist country. So the, yeah. the understanding that life, you know, wasn't like this for them, uh, where in the place that they came from and that they chose this place, uh, because of the freedom and the liberty and the ability to work hard and get ahead. That was always ingrained, uh, really, really young. Uh, and I found myself in the conservative party from a value perspective from a okay. from a difference between right and wrong and uh, from a way to getting to the end point uh, by way of uh, of sensical policy making decisions that take care of people yeah and now when you when you're growing up in your household was it more of a kind of a, was there more debates as to you know which side is right or wrong or oh for sure I mean I think uh, you know I think you're you're your parents always try to have, uh, uh, you know, try to do the whole lessons at home type stuff. But I also grew up in a unique circumstance. My brother's 10 years older than I am. So okay. when you've got yeah. two kids in the house where there's a, there's a difference of, of age that, that, uh, that big, the conversations always centered around the level that my brother was at. So yeah. it was either keep up or, uh, you know, get out and there was no video games and there wasn't a whole lot of TV time. So it was, uh, it was a really interesting way to, uh, uh, to be part of, uh, the conversations that were probably outside of my realm of understanding at the time. Yeah. I mean, I grew up a little bit different cause both my parents were immigrants, but they are super liberal. And then as I got old, like, so everything was like, Oh, when you are of age to vote, go vote for liberal. So I like, so there was a, point in time where I was just like, whatever, I'll just do whatever. And then as I kind of got older and I started having my own family and, and faith, I sort of was like, no, that's a dumb way of thinking. The other thing that I kind of clued onto is a lot of the time they would complain about a lot of the policies. And I'm like, well, you voted for that. So why are you right. complaining about the policies? And to this day, I mean, I don't want I don't think my mom listens to my show anyway, but uh, <laughs> uh, to this day, they still do the same crap. It's the same thing. And I'm like, well, you, you voted for that. That's the direction you chose that you wanted to go. So you, you have no right to complain when things go wrong. So I, as the rebellion, cause I, I didn't so you not, you're you're a conservative because you're 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 rebellious. I no, I'm not. It's not. I'm not conservative because <laughs> I'm a rebellious. I'm conservative, obviously, because of my values and like me and my wife are strong Christians and and our values align along with with that. But I'm more of a. I just saw the the flaws in the policy making. Sure. And, I, and um, when as I got older, and you have to start paying taxes, and you have to start doing all these adult things. You know. I, it changed my mind where because I come from that immigrant family like you do and yeah. I and I and one of the flaws and I see it now especially with uh, how policies are bringing in immigrants the same way like at our at our church we have a ton of Brazilian immigrants and one of the thing I see that they do quite often is because a certain administration brings um, you into the country they get married to the you know I, I have a loyalty to right to like so for example when my parents immigrated to this country Trudeau's dad was in power so that's they, exactly they, my story they feel like they owe him something when really it was not him that brought them into the country it was just Canadian immigration uh 
policy in the first place, right? I could I could relate. My 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 parents came in uh, through Trudeau Senior, and that's that's that was my mother's allegiance to uh, to the Liberal Party. It was all based in in the very fact that they were in power when she when she came in. But truthfully, her values, and I also come from. Uh, uh, a family that looked at, uh, you know, religion as the backbone of our of our yeah. community and the way that we were raised. Uh, all of her values were were actually conservative ones, but she she couldn't square the circle on it. Yeah, and, and I want to be full disclosure in this conversation because I am a strong conservative uh, supporter for a long time. My wife is the same way. Actually, she's even more conservative than I am. I'm, I'm willing to have conversations. Whereas my wife's like, this is the way to, she's a pastor's daughter. So, you know, you know how, you know how that goes. But um, one of the things I've had a hard, pro- hard time with over the last two to three years is um, the conservative party on the federal level uh and, and this is my opinion, and in my circle of people, which is pretty big, I, I'm. I think if you did, you learn about we're in the martial arts community, MMA fighters, so a lot of like-minded individuals, but underrepresented in terms of politics. Because for one, fighters don't care. You know, the martial arts community doesn't care. We're all inclusive. Like we don't give a shit about politics. When you go into the gym and you see the hundreds of people in the gym, nobody talks about politics. But one of the things I've noticed is like. Somewhere along the line, the conservative values in the last three years were a little bit changing, especially with um, with Aaron O'Toole, where it was more of a centrist kind of approach as opposed to a traditional conservative view. And you know this, and I'm going to full disclose because I'm an honest person. I tell I tell it like in this last federal election was the first time I actually didn't vote conservative. I didn't vote NDP or liberal because I'm not crazy, but I actually went <laughs> with um, Maxime Bernier. Uh, particularly for one reason, not because I generally believed in all the policies that they wanted to institute, but because of during the turbulence that we experienced in the last two and a half years, it seemed like he was one of the only people standing up for, um, you know, against a lot of the stuff, the mandates, all that kind of uh, the lockdowns. And he was very vocal about it. He put himself out there. Same with, um, uh, Roman Baber, who's also a candidate for the leadership. Um, so, you know, that was the first time I did it. And it kind of hurt my heart because I, I I do. But it was the first time I really didn't see the direction that the Conservative Party was heading into. Do you see that now with this new leadership race going on and that we can restore that voting faithful back over? Because I would love to, but I have some, you know, reservations. Yeah, look, I think it's much bigger than that. Um I, I, first of all, yes, I, I do think the the leadership race provides an opportunity for for conservatives to uh, not to reimagine who conservatives are, but to start to talk about the vision and what we'll bring to this country that is drastically different uh, than what we're getting now. Because I, I think the country is directionally in the wrong place. I yeah. think we both agree yeah. um, on that. And to put a solid alternative forward about how we are going to govern this country in a better way, to be more competitive, to be more visionary, to to, to be the place where people want to come and live and live in freedom and liberty uh, and work hard and get ahead and do all of those things. Yeah. But I think the world's changed a lot more in the last two years than it has even in the last 10. Yeah, 100%. Uh, there, there, right? there, there's more like, I mean, traditionally before COVID, this podcast would be done in person. I just find it's a lot easier to do it like this for, for everybody. But like everything used to be done in person. Now, like, I mean, 
let's talk about uh i will go back to what you're saying in a second but like for example the parliament like Guys are fucking taking a shit. Excuse my language. They're taking a shit on camera, right? <laughs> that, that, yeah, look, look. I, I just. It is the. It is the decline of democracy, of transparency, of ability to hold a government account, which is one of the things that a democracy is supposed to be about. Yeah. I look. I think virtual parliament. I've argued against it from the second that I had to participate uh, uh, in it, and I generally don't uh, yeah. because I think it's it's such nonsense for you to stay up in your office. And not answer, you know, not answer the question for a question period, at least for that hour a day, you have the most powerful people in front of you in the country. Yeah. And you're they're supposed to answer questions about why they made the decisions that they made to affect people. And the fact that they don't have to come downstairs or they could take it from their living rooms. And I get it. If you've got COVID, you can take your five days or 10 days, or yeah. whatever, whatever it is. Um, but come to work. You but signed it, yeah, up for this. Yeah. If you're not sick, get your ass to work, right? It's, That's it's, right. It's, 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 Everybody it's, it's, else has to do it. Yep. Exactly. And I think the, wh what it kind of provides is, you know, the old, um, you know, the social media saying where, you know, everybody's a tough guy behind the keyboard, right? It's very easy to, you know, not have to play off the emotions and like, like I've seen some of those sessions where, you know, there's yelling and screaming and let, let's, let's face it. Uh, Trudeau's unhinged. He like, if he had, if you have to force him behind a camera, as opposed to having to be in front in there, he would say a lot less stupid shit uh, in front of the camera, as opposed to when he's in there. Cause when he's in there, he, he, he I, I can see it in his face. He has a hard time holding back uh, some of the, rhetoric and stuff that he wants to that he normally does in front of the camera whereas when he's in front of you guys he he, he has to put on a brave face because his ego I, I pierre said it in his interview with jordan very uh with jordan peterson that he did last week like he's an ego maniac so when you force an, and as a martial artist i understand this completely because the people walk into the gym and think they're tough guys all the time and right. and we get to humble them in a, in a nice way i don't beat the crap out of them only a little bit right <laughs> but uh we i get to see ego in its front and center like I, I i'm so experienced in this game now that any average human being when i walk on the street and i look at them and i have a you know 20 second conversation i can tell automatically this person is trying to prove something that guy has such a big ego he has to be there because if not, he can keep suppressing it behind the camera. You know what you I know mean? You know what? We would probably be better off if there was more MMA fighters in the uh, in the uh, House of Commons. Not for the fighting part of it, but just just from what you just described. I'm going to tell you something, and I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you, and I'll be honest with your your listeners. Yeah. The hardest part about politics is is having the discipline to. Uh, you know, either take the higher road, uh, go down the path of an issue that isn't popular, or just not saying the things that you want to say. Like, yeah. I, you know, I've, 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 I've got a, per a pretty open personality. Uh, I, I like to crack jokes, yeah. um, and and having the discipline of not doing that on uh, on Twitter or not oh, doing it's, that it's in hard. response. Um, I think is 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 one of the toughest parts of uh, like you just you want to give the sarcastic answers because sometimes the response is so stupid or so yeah. um, you know so outrageous. Um, but you've just got to sort of take it on the chin uh, and know that there is a goal in mind. Uh, and the goal is you know in my case right now it's 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 lifting the mandates. It's uh, uh, it's it's stopping the restrictions. It's it's clearing our airports from a from from a from a policy perspective. And me me getting the, the 
the the the shits and giggles on uh, on 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 a quip back is yeah. not going to solve the problem. Yeah, I, I know what you mean it's it's hard. That's that's like I've I've been brought up the point before where Ashton, you have you talk well, you should go into politics. There's a few reasons why I'm I have a young family, so I don't know if I want to expose them to the dark side yet, and then also too. I have no filter. I'll say what, that's why I'm doing what I do. This is why I, I'm in fitness and in martial arts and I, I do a podcast. So I, I, I don't think I would be able to sit there and look at that. Like I have to give almost everybody in that house props. Cause they're like part of me in my head while he's talking, it's just like punch, 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 punch. We got like, I just want <laughs> that's all. That's all they like. Cause, cause of just the, how he is and how he carries himself and, and, what he's done but going back to what you were just saying about lifting the mandates and i want to get to more of your expertise and, and what you kind of work with uh we obviously have this big issue in the airports and um i, I have a few clients that i work with who just recently traveled and said it was a nightmare coming back four or five hours they spent more time uh getting out than in the actual plane on their vacation but when it comes to the mandates I, my big thing is you know why were these mandates even put in in the first place? Because we talk about ending the mandates. There seems to be some other motive going on behind why they're keeping it. Why is this, you know, and I can say you're there, they'll censor me, but whatever. Why is the vaccine so important? We have such a high rate. We have such a high vaccination rate. I know plenty of people who've taken it, plenty of people who haven't taken it. Um, even Bill Gates at his little, the little evil world economic forum said, you know, if there's breakthrough infections, what's the point of a, a passport, right? Um, the science isn't settled yet, even though Del Duca likes to say that kind of stuff on TV. Why are these, like you, you put it in the house of why the vindictive, why is it so this vindictive attack on a certain group of Canadians still going on? Yeah, look, I, I think at this point, there's no other explanation because it's certainly not one that is based in uh, in science. Or if it is, nobody is willing to share that science or yeah. there is no reason that the science is somehow different in this country than it is in so many other countries that have either, uh, you know, lifted those mandates or, or 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 didn't have them in some cases. Yeah, I think at the at the initial at the outset of this and I'll, and, and I, you know, I will tell you and most people know that I'm pro-vax and and I've made that decision for uh, for myself yeah. and uh, and my family, but you know at the at the end of the day the, the mandates sort of were 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 put in place to get that vaccination rate even higher, uh, and and having a you know having sort of a historical rewrite on on them in any other way I think seems uh, you know it it seems silly at this point because the mandates came into play at a time where we knew the virus had had become something that was so transmissible. Like the, the, the mandates were, were, were brought in at a time where Omicron was, uh, was the most prevalent strain. So and so knowing that, you know, knowing that, uh, that they, uh, that, that you could spread this, uh, that you, you had breakthrough infections and still doubling down, there is no other explanation for it. Uh, yeah. Than ideological control, vindictive. I've used words like punishing because I truly believe that that is what the government is doing because it doesn't. Nothing else makes sense. Do, do, do you think? Uh, and I, this is how I view. It. I viewed it, it was the mandate sort of a form of coercion into to, to doing it instead of making a conscious uh, each Canadian making a conscious decision to do so. 
Yeah, look, and we'll we'll have a good conversation on. I, I think the government, the the prime minister ran the last election with this as a wedge, and I think it's yeah. one of the most disgusting things uh, in uh, in this government's tenure. And there's lots of disgusting things in in my view, but you know, at at, at, at sort of at the end of the day, um, if we know that this doesn't make sense, and we know that other countries are doing it, and we know that it's now causing problems to travelers and businesses, not just your your boys that are going on vacation. Yeah. We're talking about people coming here from New York, from Philly, from Chicago to do business in Canada, because that's yeah. what we want. We're talking about people going to funerals and, and birthday parties and life Con- events. Co- conferences, talking, all those yeah, kind of Yeah, we're things. talking about communities that don't have another way of connecting. Like, you can't get everywhere here on in a car in a bus on a rail on a ferry sometimes you need a plane so for those people it's uh you know we we have this policy that eliminates five million or so people out of something that is uh you know that is mission critical it's yeah. it's not just a, a vacate of florida do you think that like uh i know that um in the house what's that guy the the french uh guys the health minister uh yeah his, his name's minister duclos yeah now he one of the things he does, and it's a manipulative tactic, is he always likes to bring up the U.S. The U.S. because they did they we saved this many lives, but Canada's population is significantly different from the U.S. And so, relating the two numbers, to, like I'm not a statistician, but I know I know accountants and statisticians, and they've said that it doesn't it, it doesn't equate. You can't use such a drastic population difference and make the same reference. Why hasn't that ever been called out before? Look, I, I think it's a I think it's a tactic. I think it's been you know it's certainly been called out in in uh, in the sense of like that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about the efficacy of a vaccine. We're not talking about uh, uh, about how many people potentially it saved. We haven't had the conversation yet on 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 how brutal these lockdowns have been, how they've been on mental health, how they've been on 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 a, a large uptick in, in use of opioids, how they've yep. changed an entire generation of people, which you don't have to go very far to see. I've got people, I speak to people every day whose teenagers are not the same, uh, who, who, you know, we've, because of a health decision they've made, I spoke to somebody yesterday, they've killed uh, their kid's hockey career because they've yep. lost out on two years and they can't play. And these, you know, these are, these are just the the uh, you know the, the government iceberg, sees yeah. these as as a minor inconvenience, and this is what's happening all around us. I, and I think that's where the public is frustrated, e.g., why the convoy and all and those kind of things continue to happen. Because during this whole time, and I think it was preached a lot, um, you know, politicians still made their paycheck, but regular folk who's t- like my industry was targeted specifically fitness sure. industry i was lucky that our my business model allowed me to operate without a gym right without having a facility i was very lucky i could but if i and i tell this story all the time in 2019 we were me and my wife were going to make the investment and open up and then i had the the paperwork on my desk uh january 2020 and I, something in my head was like now nah, let me just wait and I didn't. If I had signed that, I would be in a totally different position. I would be in right now. And what I think the public and the where there's a discourse between um, government and people is government wasn't affected. The paychecks still came in, whereas average for and and they keep saying, well, we gave the CERB. Well, the CERB doesn't make any sense now that inflation's so high. Any any profit that you did make from the CERB, say you made a minimum wage and you you know you took the two thousand but you only made sixteen hundred, 
well, it's gone now because the price of inflation is so high. Um, why is there such a big disconnect between people who are in office and regular folk? Is it because they just don't take the time to actually go out and do things in the community and say, for sure. I think, I think you, I think you nailed that. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that most people in Ottawa talk to anyone outside of Ottawa and yeah. I've only been there for eight, eight months to, um, to see that, you know, I, I think it's much bigger than that. It's not only that, you know, government, uh, uh, government workers, <coughs> sorry, no worries. government workers didn't, uh, uh, you know, didn't take a, t- take a pay cut. We celebrated people that we needed at the beginning of the pandemic, when we knew nothing, when we yeah. had no vaccines, when we had no sort of safety precautions in place, we yeah. made them go to work. We celebrated truckers. We celebrated grocery workers. We celebrated, you know, servers until we sort of shut everything down. We celebrated the the, the people that needed to uh, uh, to make our supply chain uh, work at the beginning when we needed the stuff that we needed. Those yeah. those taking vaccines off of a of a truck, or those taking masks off a truck, or those making them. And then we decided somehow, uh, you know, a year and a half later, when we knew what we knew, that we would ostracize those people, that we would make them others, uh, that we would discount everything that they did in the pandemic while we celebrated them and ostracize them from society in such a way that doesn't make any sense because they didn't want to do what, you know, what I, what I thought was a good decision for me. Yeah. Uh, And I mean... (laughs) When, I, when we come back to these these mandates, and I know that you operate on the federal level, but um, I think provincial has a lot to do with how people view federal politics as well. Yeah. Um, for better now, or for worse, depends on where you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but for, for, in this case, for worse, because we look at two conservative-run provinces, uh, Alberta and Ontario, and the two premiers who are supposedly supposed to be conservative were almost flip-flopping on the issue of mandates and vax passes and eventually went to them and it almost seemed like they caved under the pressure to Trudeau to the public and now that we're having a provincial election I don't see the Ontario PCs working as hard to say that we want to end the stuff that we brought in right because I do there's still people getting fired in Hamilton region and all those kind of things over mandates that you know are not for some of them they're not there's no vax pass why can't they go back to work why why has the on the provincial level they've taken that uh the the conservatives taken that approach and then federally why hasn't the federal conservatives kind of spoke out against that almost yeah so i mean here's the here i let's let's go 30,000 feet on this for yeah. conservatives covid is a killer issue uh, and I and I say that not just because of the single issue vax mandates or vax passports or or anything that has to do with that. Yeah. COVID has allowed government and government intrusion in your life. The thing that we don't like as yeah. conservatives to get out of control. Yeah. Our our spending is out of control. The idea that you would turn on your TV every day and listen to some guy at a podium that you've never listened to before tell you whether you should stay home or eat in a restaurant. Like we've never had that kind of uh, relationship with government. Yeah. I've never turned on my TV and, and listened to a politician about whether to go to a restaurant or go to a gym. And all of a sudden that happened. So for for conservatives, this was a killer 
issue because we we had a responsibility on 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 public health at the beginning when we didn't yeah. know all of these things. Yeah, absolutely. And then it and then it was sort of these lingering uh, effects of it that needed to keep up with much more left wing governments across the country and across the world. And if we yeah. weren't doing those things, we looked irresponsible as as conservatives. So this was never going to be a winner for us. But to your point, I think it could have been less of a loser for the people that are are part of our base, that are part of our movement. Uh, and now more and more people that are not part of our movement that are seeing what's going on there is 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 totally void of common sense. Yeah. And I. Uh- Going back to why why did they not say anything to the uh, the provincial leaders that were like it almost seemed like at one point they're like no we won't do that it's a, it's against rights it'll cause division and then all of a sudden it was like yeah sure let's start let's start some division up in this joint right yeah look I mean part of it is I, th- I think a division of 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 responsibilities like we you know we we don't necessarily tell them where to spend their healthcare dollars or uh, yeah. or or how to create their education policy although there is sort of strings attached to the big taxman collector uh, you know, pile yeah. of, of money that comes, uh, uh, that comes down. Um, and then for a lot of these local situations, like, look, COVID was different in different places. If you yeah. lived in rural Manitoba and you watch the news in Toronto, you think that we all had, you know, COVID and we were, yeah, yeah, totally like licking each other and everybody was passing it around. And if you lived in, you know, in sort of a a country that was agricultural in the country that was agricultural based, uh, where you don't see very many people, this is like, right. So local decision-making has to play into this where you're not going to make the rules. You're not gonna make the same rules in, in, in Southern Manitoba or in, or in, uh, you know, the Northern parts of Alberta or BC, as you would in a city where you live in uh, a building uh, in a block of 45,000 people. Yeah. I, I, and I, and I, and I see that point. I just think for the, for the voting base, the ones that, you know, say they vote provincially conservative and federally, I think they have a hard time dealing with some of the, the that leadership I, that, that I agree with you. And we're seeing that, a lot of that now out yeah, there, right? It's, it's a big disconnect because traditionally if I voted conservative, say in the province of Ontario, I would, be glad to vote conservative for the to federal, but it almost seems like to the base it's that they're not talking to each other. They're all doing a different thing, and it, and it needs to be rectified in, in terms to bring that trust back from each province. Because uh, let's face it, uh, Ontario pretty much speaks, and it's unfair. And I feel for people in Alberta and Saskatchewan, but what goes on in Toronto uh, and the GTA in terms of voting and seats at pretty in Quebec, it pretty much dictates the rest of what happens to Canada. And, you know, even, even though the conservatives lost that last election, they won the popular vote both times, even with Sheer, Right. And it shows that uh, that's where I was kind of going with is the, the divisiveness that's going on in Canada. We like to dismiss it. We like to say, Oh no, we're not divided. But in my opinion, I think we're way more divided than the U S Right. When we look at our party structure and the fact that half of more than half of the country pretty much dislikes the current government did for the last two elections. But because of how seats and how parliament is formed, they're pretty much thrown out. If Toronto and Quebec vote liberal or NDP, it's pretty much how the election goes. Yeah, it's a it's a real reckoning that I think the the conservatives, you know, have paid attention to and need to pay more 
closer, uh, or I should say closer attention to. Uh, and that includes the 905, and it includes the lower mainland of Vancouver, and it includes some seats in 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 Montreal, where frankly conservatives aren't at play at all. Yeah. Um. But there, and and I think that that was what you saw as part of the strategy of trying to get in, you know, trying to bring more people to the conservative base. But I will say this: is we win when we're actually conservative. Yes. We did that with Stephen Harper, uh, and 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 our message resonates. Uh, with people, particularly at a time right now where there's a lot of anger out there. You said it yourself that, you know, you can't ignore the trucker convoy as a bunch of fringe yahoos. That's not, you know, that's, that's, that would be, that is a big error, a strategic error for, for the liberals uh, that, uh, that I think conservatives, if done smartly, will capitalize on. Well, I mean, it's it's the name calling. It was name calling, and for sure, like um, I know misogynist, racist. racist. Yeah, and like I mean, I don't like to pull the car, but I'm a brown dude. I'm not freaking like 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 I'm a minority too. Like, what what are we talking about here? And I think that you know, going back to that trucker thing, it wasn't only about the truckers. That frustration was felt on all levels. Absolutely. Uh, like for example. People, I've never seen this before, but people in like the fitness industry absolutely hate the current government. Hairdressers uh, yeah. who were maligned uh, my, for my causing COVID, right? Yeah, like, my wife. My wife's a hairdresser. Like, I'm surprised we like we did super well just because of hard work during this time. But if we didn't put ourselves together, both of our industries were literally brought to their knees. Yeah. Um, and like my wife said, it's the first like in the hairdressing industry. In that industry, typically. They're liberal and NDP, but there's, she's noticed that a lot of them are speaking out against that kind of stuff because their whole livelihood got torn apart because of it. And nobody seems to give a damn, right? They, they won't even know not, no mention of it whatsoever. It's just like, Hey, whatever, we screwed you over, but for deal sure. with it. Yeah. Uh, like I, I couldn't, you know, I, I feel for your wife. Cause I think that that industry, like the, 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 I, I could think of nothing else that was more maligned than the 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 uh, the hairdressers in our in our province, uh, and they were they were blamed for you know for for causing uh, COVID. I actually go to one of these. I go to a hair salon where everybody in there is somehow conservative and has become conservative oh. <laughs> because of this because yeah, of this issue, right? Yep. And. Uh, uh, and I think you're seeing a lot more than that, particularly amongst young voters. And we have an opportunity here. We have an opportunity to uh, to make our party relevant in a way that it's never been relevant before. Not just grievance politics of, yeah, we're never going to, you know, the, the pandemic and, and all of that. Yeah. But just to, to like, the, this is a government, this is a liberal government that promised young people that they would have a path forward. And life's gotten more expensive. You can't buy a house. You don't have any, you know, your, your rights have been taken away. Uh, I mean, you got, you got pot, you got the yeah. legalization of pot, but beyond that, which I'm there was for, no huh? promises, right? <laughs> like there was, there was no promises that were kept to, uh, to young people. And I think there is a bit of a wake up call happening. Now with, when we come back to that division, uh, the topic, um, th- like I know specifically, and you've reposted a video, but Trudeau likes to deny that division is, and what he always does, and it's classic. Like uh, people don't like when I bring this up because you know it brings up uh, some of the stuff that happened in Germany. It's it's classic propaganda that the propaganda minister used there, just brought back into a more you know friendly form to how he uses it but what he always does is he is like i don't see the divisions canadian is i can regurgitate his bullshit 
Oh, like without like I don't even have to study it. Like I know Canadians have always been there. They stepped up. He always brings the vaccination event stuff back. They got vaccinated. They've been helping their neighbors. That's not the case. That's not what what is happening. Uh, Canadians are frustrated, and what these mandates and this has clearly done is it's caused two separate sides, right? And especially where I live, I live I live in the Young Edmonton area. You can smell the tension the minute you walk outside. There is tension everywhere where somebody is looking at another person like, oh, this person's not wearing a mask. They're a bad person. This person's wearing a mask. They're a bad person. Uh, this person took a jab. This, there's, they've created this anxiety and it's fueled by you know media as well. But there's this constant anxiety of, uh, and it's putting, pitting Canadians against each other to the point where, I mean, I grew up here. I've never felt this kind of hostility in Canada before. Does the government even recognize this? Because every single time it's brought up by you specifically too, you've brought up, it's the same regurgitation of crap sure. over and over and over. Yeah, look, the politics of division for 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 the liberals has, you know, in their mind has worked. Uh, yeah. And they've pitted Canadians uh, against each other. They've othered an entire group of uh uh, of Canadians. And like we said at the beginning of this conversation, like it's, it's gross. Yeah. Uh, and I think that more and more people are, are, are starting to see that this isn't based in, in any kind of science or at least any kind of science that's available. This isn't based in, uh, in any other, any kind of protection of, uh, of public health. This is now, uh, you know, this is now negative campaigning in the midst of a government cycle. Yeah. Uh, and then you've, you know, we, we haven't even got to this, but they, you know, the, uh, a marriage with the NDP, uh, oh, to geez. allow them to do this up until, uh, you know, 2025, like I don't, if, if I'm an NDP or if I'm a, even a member of parliament from the NDP party, I don't even know how I look at myself in the mirror every day. No. And, and I, and I am quite uh, open when I say this is like, this is the first time in the history of my my the years on this planet the planet that you know me and my wife have considered moving like literally picking up and leaving Canada. No, we like, gotta get you to stay. Yeah. <laughs> like, we need you to stay. I, I know, I know. People, uh, but, but like, it's become such a toxic environment. Like, I have young. I have a two year old and a four year old. Like. I don't want to send them into that kind of place. I actually like I have my my old head coach when he has a business out in Niagara when the uh, when the second lockdown happened, he sold the business, picked up and moved to Belize and he's loving life down there right now because it's it's free. It, it's small government. They can't really they don't really try they've tried to do some of the same kind of uh, restrictions, but it, they can't control it there because it's obviously too small. And you know it's it's a shame to say it that a third world country is experiencing more freedom than Canada right now, and it, it, and just as a Canadian, I like I'm like I want that. So do I have to pick up and leave to get that, or do I have to? No, wait the answer for it? is no. I'm going to make my pitch for you to stay, <laughs> you and your family to stay. Look, this is the best country uh, in in the world, and it's provided um, so many fruits if you work hard um, and. Uh, uh, and, and you want to get ahead, you can in this, uh, in this country, I'll yeah. tell you, like, you know, I'm, uh, there's lots of things wrong with it and there's lots of things we want to fix. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, like we've just, 
the, the questions that I constantly ask myself about this country is how do we do so little with so much? We have so many resources, natural resources. We yeah. grow so much food. We can feed the world. We can be energy independent. We've got uh, the smartest workforce. We've got, you know, w- wicked good uh, education, um, educational institutions, universities, colleges. We have the ability to build things here and yet we squander that. Yeah. Um, but I would never, ever in a million years sit here on this podcast and say, you should move to Belize because the opportunities are greater there. <laughs> yeah. It might be, you know, it might be a reprieve from the time in history that we are in right now. And yeah. it might be a vacation from the frustration that you are feeling that so many are feeling, but never forget that this country is amazing. Uh, yeah. And I think it's up to us, the next gen to yeah. make it more amazing for your kids. And, and I, and I agree with you. It's just, uh, and that's the thought me and my wife have had, but I also hear it out in the public too. A lot of people who are conservative, sure. uh, they're being like, well, they've never had to think about this before. They never had to think about the fact that I might have to relocate just to be able to live life the way I wanted to live life. Yeah. And we've had lots of friends that have, you know, they've gone to Florida that have gone to, uh, to Texas and, and, you know, all of those provide, um, you know, certain, certain goodies what based on what your family's looking for. Yeah. But you know, your kids today, two and four, literally can do anything they want in this country. They can yeah. be anything they want. Um, and uh, we've got to create the environment. So yeah, that's gotta, actually true. We got to fight for it a little bit, right? Totally. Uh, Don't um, run away. Fight uh, no, with me. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight. I'm staying here. But <laughs> I, I, the thought has crossed our mind and it, and yeah. it is something that- It's a that, sad one. Yeah. And the, that's why I bring it up because the, you know, it, to me it shows that when- Lifelong Canadians have to think that way. It shows a failure of government, right? It shows a failure of government on all levels, in my opinion, that, you know, it's become that way that, you know, regular Canadians feel like this might not be the right place for me. And I do love Canada. It's given me so much and I, I never wanted to leave up until now, right? Yeah. Where I'm just thinking about it, right? I get it. It's a frustration and it's an anger and it's one that, uh, that man, we got to pay attention to. Yeah. And- Going into that is, is you know, we look at the cost of living right now because that's another factor that uh, influences people's decision to move as well, right? Um, the cost of living has skyrocketed uh, to the point where for people with average incomes, and, I, and I've, I've heard you argue uh, with the uh, current government in the house about this, you know, you need uh, $200,000 jobs just to be able to afford a house, right? Uh you know, my Costco, like I go to Costco, my Costco bill has doubled for the same shit. It's the same shit. I'm not buying anything different. I buy baby crap and <laughs> adult crap and, you know, and that's, it's doubled. Now I'm in a position where fortunately, you know, even though I see the differences in my, on my bill, I can afford to deal with that. Whereas many Canadians can't, many young people can't what in the heck are they even doing to fix it? And what is like the conservative government trying to do to help it? Because it seems like nobody gives a shit at this point. Excuse my language. It seems. Yeah, like- look, I, I could, I could understand why you think that because we've lost, we've lost control of, uh, of spending and don't, and, you know, do not make any mistake about it. The, the inflation, uh, and the inflationary pressures and the rising cost of everything is due entirely to a to a to a government that has spent beyond their means, 
yeah. uh, to a carbon tax that is ideological, to gas taxes that they're laughing about. Uh, they want this to happen. They yeah. want you to stop driving your car. So I don't know why they don't own it. I don't know why they pretend to care about it. This is exactly what the plan is. They want you out of your car. So they want to make gas too expensive. Uh, I think pricing, the, the price of a home has doubled under their tenure. You know what's gotten cheaper under liberal under un, under the liberal government in the last seven years? There's only one thing. Pot? It's the cost of money. <laughs> I was going to say weed. The <laughs> only, that's yeah. the only thing. I have no idea how much weed costs, but yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's inflation on that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but the cost of the of actual cash has yeah. gone down. And when you print more of it, you devalue it. Devalue and, and, and that's, you know, at the core of it, that's the problem. So the next conservative government might be a very unpopular one because yeah. there's lots of things that we need to do to get this, to get this country back under control and to really have an effect on your grocery bill, on your gas bill, and on the, on the fact that two and four over there at home are going to yeah. need a house one day. Well, what you said is completely different than what they're saying because, like, um, Jagmeet went on the news yesterday and was saying inflation was caused particularly by corporate greed. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense, right? I understand corporate greed is, is a part of everything, but I'm a capitalist. I understand the supply and demand. I understand supply chains. I understand the cost. If gas is going to keep going, if the price of oil is going to keep going up, it costs more to ship things and bring stuff in. They're spending more, so they have to charge more. It's simple economics, right? For sure. It's a trickle um, down. And, and we've so, talked to every everybody and they say the cost goes down to the consumer. There's yeah, no... So, so for him to use that cop-out, I feel like it's a government cop-out uh, of them trying to just throw the sweep it under the rug. Well, yes, corporate greed has to do with a lot. There's a lot of corporate greed going on everywhere around the world. It happens all the time. Look at what's happening in Davos right now. That's a big, big pit of corporate greed at the World Economic Forum. But how can they... They sit there and Canadians like, like, how can their base accept the fact that that that's the excuse that they're giving? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, look, part of it is I, I think there is a real disconnect between uh, the NDP and what their base uh, is. It was one of the worker and they don't speak for the worker. And no. now it's sort of the downtown Toronto woke NDP of whatever issue makes it sound good. You know, yeah. banks make too much money. The end of the, the things like that, the, the at the end of the day, a lot of these corporations are are providing sort of the 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 jobs and the stability in the economy for having people uh, work there, and there is some concern about how that looks and how they're automated and all of that. But at the at the end of the day, you can't spend more money, print more of it, and expect that it's going to be valued at the same way. Yeah. You don't need a degree in economics uh, to understand that this is not sustainable. That the bubble is going to burst, and either yeah. we're going to have larger. Uh, uh, higher interest rates, which seems that it's coming, or we need some kind of plan to get this under control. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know why nobody says it, but that's the harsh reality of what we're going to face when we've decided that balanced budget and fiscal responsibility uh, are something that we don't care about anymore. Now, what are the conservatives' uh, solution? I know that there is a leadership thing going on, but there is as um, a little thing. Yeah, as as a group, what is the the consensus of the kind of solution that you guys would put forward uh, 
going into the next couple of years? Should you guys take the? Yeah, look, I think the solution is 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 different on on sort of every one of those issues. I mean, yeah. the cost of living crisis is is it permeates into every part of life. So you know, on 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 the price of gasoline and the price to drive, like we're we've said it, we've committed, we're going to drop the carbon tax. It's eleven percent. We're going to pause the GST. They voted against that. That's another five percent. So sixteen percent right off the top on day one of yeah. your gas price to uh, today on, on housing. We've talked about uh, ways to increase supply and not, you know, double down on these programs that nobody's using or nobody can, uh, yeah. can use. So I think it's, you know, there's a different solution in all of that. And on much of that, you know, much of the direction is going to be set by the new leader. And it's an incredible thing to be going through uh, a leadership where we're engaging more Canadians, ones that have never looked to the Conservative Party. So we're going to get some ideas from the from the ground floor about what people are feeling. Now, in terms of that race, uh, I actually like a lot of the candidates. Uh, uh, Pierre, obviously, uh, he's a talker. I think of all the people in that race, he's the one that can bring Trudeau's ego to the floor like I can see him you he's know, your like, MMA like when you choose a fighter on the video well, game he, like he's he's <laughs> the he's the Conor McGregor he can talk you okay. into an emotional area I know that reference yeah so. you know, he's he'll he'll talk you to the point where you'll make a mistake and he'll, and he'll pop you for it right um but the other uh candidates one of the the other ones I like but the only one I don't there's two sorry there's two that make me question is the charade character uh and uh, Patrick Brown. Now, Brown for me is very, very. It's hard. It's hard to put it without being rude about him. Uh, but very it's your podcast. You yeah, can say whatever you want. Yeah, fuck it. Uh, he's very sleazy, right? Because we have uh, somebody here who's the mayor of Brampton, and clearly was caught breaking his own mandates and rules, and then denying them, and then going into a leadership race still denying them after there's clear evidence that you know he's not a man of his word and not a man of integrity he he clearly wants you to do something and then he's going to do something different and then we have Sheree who's out there publicly bashing the truckers and anybody who had any sort of you know uh, support for them um, how are these candidates even you know allowed because it's just from the get-go it almost seems like the two of them don't have the same values as the the conservatives should look i think you're you're a big part of where we are in our in our sort of conservative uh base and i think part of that is you know growing growing the party i think at the end of the day as as somebody who sits in the conservative caucus when i think about these things i think about who's going to hold our party together Who's going to bring Canadians the vision of what uh, a responsible, hopefully, uh, you know, majority conservative government is going to look like for for Canadians? And I have some real questions about whether, you know, whether it's those two um, or some others on that stage can hold our coalition together. Yeah. Uh, and that can truly deliver, uh, you know, the fundamentals of a conservative government the same way that, you know, in my view, the same way that Stephen Harper did yeah. um, or the same way at the time that Brian Mulroney did. And it was a different time and a different government and a yeah. different set of issues. Yeah, and, uh, and the the other three candidates, um, uh, Baber, uh, Leslie Lewis and, and Paul Rivera, I think they have or Polyev, I keep pronouncing his name wrong because it's it's very French, not a Frenchy. Uh, but uh, they, I think, in my opinion, have the most level head for the position. I, and to me, I was very 
thrown back by the fact that Leslin, she checks all the boxes off. Like in terms of woke culture, she's a, a minority. She's black. She has all these things. Whereas I thought she was pr- a perfect candidate in the last time when O'Toole was there. Do, what do you think that she would speak to a different kind of base that the conservatives aren't really used to having? Yeah, look, I don't, I don't uh, choose candidates because they're women, or I don't choose candidates because they're black or they're white or they're brown or they're purple or they're green. Like I don't just yeah. that doesn't it, it doesn't compute into me. And I realize that people want to see something else in the conservative party. But what I look for when I look for a candidate is someone that's going to hold our coalition together, someone who can explain to Canadians, you know, the um, why why they should vote for a party, and somebody who's going to expand our party into touching people that a have never given us thought um you know people who kicked the tires on us and just didn't buy the car i want them to 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 buy the car this time yeah. um and i and for me i i you know i've been clear about it i think there's one candidate in this race that i think checks all of those boxes and for me that's pierre yeah and 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 i, I i'm a big fan of his but uh, i will say this part i'm not 100 percent sold yet but right. uh, yeah, no, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying it. In, well, we'll talk offline. Yeah, we'll talk offline. <laughs> well, uh, but uh, I would like to hear some more about him about uh, from you. But uh, what I was trying to where I was trying to go with that is uh, there's a people are looking for something different in this conservative government sure. coming up. Um, and with everything that's kind of gone on in the last two years, I think accountability is more of one of the most important things. Would we be able to, do you think that with the current slate of candidates, we would be able to hold them accountable for their actions? Should they do something that's. I think our, I think our party's always um, has always done that. And we have processes in our party that allows for that. Like we've got a, we've got a really deeply connected membership and, uh, and, uh, and conventions and a caucus that has this tool. Yeah. Like for you, you forget that we have this tool called the reform act where we could say, if you're not doing this right, you're out. Yeah, you're like out we here. just yeah. did that. Right. Like yeah. as a, as a, as a caucus. So there is, I think there are lots of tools to hold people to account, but at the end of the day, we have to remember that we are not fighting each other. As, as conservatives, because that's when we get in trouble. Yeah. Um, we are trying to replace one of the worst governments in Canadian history. Uh, and I have a front row seat at it um, now. Know, and it's yeah. incredibly frustrating to watch them oh, evade, uh, divide, stigmatize, uh, and be completely uh, outside of, of what you would think uh, uh, an opposition and, and a real democracy should hold them to account with. Well, like even, uh, I know you have to debate, you know, what's the uh, transfer guy, Omar Agbar? Uh, yeah, I'm Minister Al-Gabra, uh, Al- yeah. Al- yeah. Yeah, Al-Gabra. I can't look at him without laughing. He looks like a brown Mr. Bean to me. I was just like, I'm like, how do you even sit there and debate these guys? And the stuff that they're spewing is sometimes it's hilarious. Like I have to give kudos to politicians because my, I, like I said, I'm a loose cannon. I wouldn't be able to even hold that joke back. I'd be like, yo, I can't t- look at Mr. Bean talking like that to me. It, it, it's, it's, I mean, I know I'm, I'm trying, not trying to insult anybody. I, I was just like, 
when they say these things, I'm just like, how are you guys, how do you keep it in? It's, it's very, yeah, awesome. look, it's, I, I mean, I, we, we discussed that in terms of like, it's, it's pretty hard to have the discipline, but it, it is even more shocking to see again, that the most powerful people in the country who are making decisions who affect our, that affect our everyday lives are completely unaccountable to any kind of opposition or scrutiny. Let's not even start with the media that gives them a complete free ride. Well, that's what there is nobody. Next. Yeah. Like there yeah. is no, Nobody in this country that can get an answer out of that liberal government that is satisfactory for the many Canadians. And that's why you're seeing the anger that you are seeing that is bubbling up, that is going to be a, a rude awakening when the liberals decide to trigger the next election because they uh, will decide. Yeah. And um, going into the media, like I think one of the biggest topics, not just in Canada, but in North America in general, or maybe not Mexico, Mexico doesn't care about stuff, but uh censorship right there's this there's an extreme censorship and especially it's geared towards conservatives uh anyone with a, a right-leaning view or on the right um uh it's geared towards you know religious uh sectors uh specifically you know christians uh geared towards you know people who speaking on vaccines uh what do we have to do to fix that? I know like Pierre is very uh, vocal about uh, ending the uh, defunding the CBC, but h- how did it get this far? Uh, because it was, cre- uh, you know, it was created, it was created like that. It's, it's an on purpose thing. Uh, uh, it is, it is, it is funded by government. It is not a business model that succeeds on its own. Uh, and I think the one way that conservatives have successfully and will continue to successfully to break through that cycle that is not favorable um, for us and, and frankly, irrelevant to big segments of the population. I don't know how many people um, uh, a little bit younger than I am are watching the six o'clock news or the eight o'clock news or the 11 o'clock news or any news at all on TV. Yeah. Um, the breakthrough is is the ability to uh, uh, to break through through social media. And, you know, uh, Pierre's done it brilliantly for a Canadian politician. He's, he's, he's got a reach that is far beyond yeah. uh, what, you know, Lisa Laflamme or, or um, you know, whatever the, the, the CBC national is, how many, however many hosts they have now. Yeah. Uh, I think there's plenty of people uh, paying attention to other sources of media. And that's, you know, the, 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 the market's going to speak. That's going to be uh, the killer. And what we, what we need to make sure is, is that the liberals aren't regulating the internet on deciding yeah, what the, you and I can see. Yeah, Bill C-11, that's what I was talking about. Bill C-11, like, man, we, you, we, we can do this for another hour. In yeah, I know. Of, uh, I know. There's so much crap to talk about. But do you think that Bill C-11 was specifically designed to silence the opposition? Bill C-11 was uh, specifically designed to uh, to make sure that the government decides what you see on and, and not see on the internet. And no matter how many times they say that's not the truth, is it true. is the truth. That yeah. is what it says in the legislature. Legislation that is, it is the CRTC. That's a body that that the that is yeah. you know arm's length from the government that governs what's seen on TV, radio, all of that. Uh, they've not done the internet. They can't. E- they're not even capable of doing the job no. that they already have, let alone the one that they're about to get. Yeah. Uh, and deciding what you and I see, what content creators like you, yeah. deciding where that comes onto my feed or or how popular you are based on sort of likes and who's uh, who's seeing it, that has an effect on what we're going to see here, and that effect is is produced by the government. It is censorship in every 
it, every way that you look at it. Yeah, and even big the big tech companies have come out and spoken against it. Google, For sure, Google, Twitter, the most woke company on the Abs- planet. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> like they've all, they've all spoke out about it, and and I mean it's a huge problem, and, and I. I think it's I'm, a huge problem for people like you, right? Yeah, it's a huge problem for people like me. But I mean, like, I'm not even somebody with a gigantic reach. Uh, like, there's, it's a huge problem for just content creation in general, right? And people who who are willing to, who want to speak out and just even forget speaking out, just express their opinion. Uh, but the, like, why why aren't Canadians kind of wising up to it? My my biggest issue is like, there's a lot of Canadians who don't even know that this is in play, like this bill is in play. If they had known, they would be against it. But because of the way media is run, they can't get that information. How can the conservatives make sure that that information? Look, it's it's continuing. It's continuing to hammer uh, that in every single day of debate. It's continuing to pick it apart. And right now, it's in what's called committee. And I don't expect anybody to know how the process in Parliament uh, works. Uh, but it's calling witnesses. It's making sure that more people are on the record saying how dangerous. Uh, you know, the 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 government intruding on the internet uh, actually is. And I think that people are waking up to it. And uh, we saw a lot of debate on it. And, uh, you know, the best thing that we can hope for right now uh, is that we can keep it from passing before the summer ends and that we have some timeline on really exposing its dangers. Now, this is a little theory I have before we before we wrap this up. But do you think that um, when C-10 was put in and then it got thrown out, do you think that the election was triggered because of the technicalities that can reintroduce it? Because like they couldn't reintroduce it because it was thrown out under the current government that they had. Do you think that that was one of their motives of doing it? Well, I think their motive was was plain and simple. Let's divide as many Canadians as as we can on the issue of vaccines to try to get a majority. That's that's all it was. And you know what? The plan didn't work. No. And the plan is less likely to work the next time. So we've got a job to do as uh, as conservatives to, to bring forward a, a, a vision of what the government looks like. Uh, but these guys, uh, these guys gambled and they lost on their gamble. So instead of getting the confidence of the voters, they bought the confidence of the NDP and Canadians should be uh, livid about that. Yeah. And, and I think that's a great place to kind of wrap up. The one, one thing I wanted to just say before we, we wrapped up is, uh, you you made a quote on the conservative website, right? That government can't solve all our problems, but government can empower Canadians to help build a prosperous and secure future. Um, is that something you still stand by, given the turbulence in, in the party and the transitions that they're having? And you know, is that something that we can look forward to you keeping to promote? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I'm, I'm fundamentally at the end of the day, I think less government in your life is a better, uh, better yeah. thing. And if we think that you're gonna, you're gonna solve all of the trials and tribulations that we all feel every single day in our lives, I think you're dreaming of what, uh, of what government as actually is, and it shouldn't try, and it yeah. shouldn't get in the way. Um, yeah. I like your hat. Nobody cares. Work harder. Yeah, you can get, uh, get one on my, <laughs> on my website. Yeah, uh, maybe I will get one on your website on because a- that's exactly, I think, the feeling that is captured uh, uh, captured up there. And uh, and to pretend that you care or to pit people against each other in some um, you know ideological weird uh, experiment, um, making people think you care, that's not right either. And that's yeah. what we're seeing. 
All right, and that's Melissa Lastman. So I wanted to thank you. First of all, thank you so much because it's very hard to get uh, people like you in in that position to just open up and have an honest conversation. So thank you for taking the time and speaking with me. Thanks for having and, me. And can you just let everybody know where they can uh, find yeah, you? Yeah, go to melissalancement.ca and I'm so easy to find on social media. Just uh, type in my name and uh, we're, we're now on the, uh, we're now on TikTok. So uh, oh, no, I'm, I'm learning that. Don't, I don't even bother. I don't even bother <laughs> with that. All right. So I just want to thank you again. And that's been another episode. Grand make yours and, and I'm out. Everybody, thank you for watching. Please do me a favor, click the like below, share on YouTube, share on Instagram, share on Facebook, spread the word so I can keep creating more content for you, and keep providing you with a great podcast experience. Peace out.